Welcome to the local edition news and information to keep you connected in the Catskills in Northeast Pennsylvania. I'm your host, Jason Dole. Coming up tonight, we have our final candidates interview of election season. Tomorrow is election day. We'll be talking to Jen Metzger, who's running for Ulster County Executive against her opponent, Jim Quigley. We'll also be taking a look at the Bond Act that New Yorkers will also be voting on on Election Day if they haven't voted already. But first, to give us an update on how voting has already been going locally and what voters can expect tomorrow in Sullivan County, Sullivan County Communications Director Dan Hoos joining us live on the phone. Welcome back to the program, Dan. Thank you, Jason. I'm glad to be here. And I bet you're really busy. It's been election time for a while, but this is it here. I was very busy probably prior to all of this, more so in in getting the word out through you guys and others, thank you, uh, about our early voting opportunities. And I'm glad to say that uh, from what our Board of Elections is telling me, we had a great turnout, possibly one of the highest since we started early voting. In fact, I'd say probably so. We've had over 3,000 people cast an early ballot. That's not including our absentee and affidavit ballots. These are people who actually came to the government center in Monticello starting on October 29th, and it ran right through till yesterday to cast a ballot in person. And I saw lines in the lobby since I work in the government center, and they weren't having to wait long, but the lines were consistent. People were really interested in making sure that their voice was heard uh, in this early voting uh, opportunity. So really excited about that. It indicates to me that tomorrow's election day is going to be very busy at all our polling places throughout the county. People are just feeling very much motivated, enthusiastic, and thankfully are taking advantage of the early voting, which is a lot of time and a lot of money that our Board of Elections has to spend on making sure that that one polling place in the government center is available on those days. So when we see the kind of turnout that we've had, it's something that resonates very well inside this building because we feel like, okay, what we're doing matters and the public wants to take advantage of this service. And it's therefore worth the expenditure of both uh, time, effort, and you know, and, and money. Absolutely. Well, it's the taxpayers' uh, uh, money to begin and end with anyway. So yeah. they're telling us by coming out here that they want this money spent this way. They're glad we're doing this, uh, and they're going to take advantage of it. 3,000 early voters in Sullivan County. That, that's phenomenal. So this is great news. For those of us who did not avail ourselves of the early voting, what should we know? What should we be aware of, those of us who will be voting on Election Day itself? Well, there are still uh, well over two dozen polling places open, probably the one you're most familiar with uh, because uh, you've been voting there for a while, or if you're just new to voting, maybe your parents were voting there, but you should also have gotten a mailer uh, giving you indication as to where your local polling place was. But if you are not sure um, where you're supposed to vote, our Board of Elections, unlike the rest of county government, is actually going to be open tomorrow. The rest of county government's closed for Election Day, but the Board of Elections will be open. They are happy to answer any questions you have, not only about the polling location, but about the accessibility of it, um, about the process. And They can be reached at 845-807-0400. Uh, but I can say that uh, I've been talking with them very closely over the past few days that we are going to have every polling site open. Even though we've had a shortage of election inspectors, we will have every polling site staffed. 
and that will be from as far afield as uh, Woodridge to Roscoe, down to Glen Spey, over to Calicoon. Uh, this is a monumental effort that gets put on, but of course it's crucial to democracy, even here in Little Sullivan County. Mm. I'll remind the listener that uh, inspector is is the term for you know what I would call poll workers, those those volunteers or those people who are there um, to to help us when we point. go vote. Yeah, yeah, and yep, that's a very good point. I'm, and there's another point. I said volunteers are they volunteers or are they paid for their work? No, they're paid. They're, they're paid. paid. But they work so, a long yeah. time. It's a long day for yeah. them. $250 for a day that runs from 6 in the morning to 9 at night, and usually a little bit before and a little bit after because you've got to get set up and you've got to break things down. Mm. And that also includes the training that they've had to go through to serve in that role. So, yeah, there's a lot of work involved. We're very grateful for these election inspectors, these poll workers, uh, people who are there to make sure that everything goes right for you at the polling spot so that you get the the correct ballot to fill out, that you know how to fill it out, and that you know uh, how to put it into the machine. Obviously, they are not going to tell you who to vote for, um, but they will help with the process all surrounding that because sometimes it can be a little confusing. It's not the, the old days of when you went inside uh, this huge upright machine, closed the curtain, which I always loved doing. I'd go in with my mom and I'd pull the lever to close the curtain. Yeah. Um, and you just sort of push down all these levers. No, now you fill out a ballot and you run it through a machine and then it has to be put in a, in a safe spot. And it's just something that our uh, election inspectors have to keep close track of and to make sure that the public does not feel intimidated by the machinery or the equipment or the process. We want everyone to feel like their vote is very important, because it is, and that we are very glad that they turned out to cast that vote, no matter who it's for. And if people have questions or problems that are beyond the scope of what the inspectors can do on site, is that when they should get a hold of the Board of Elections? For example, if somebody thought they were able to vote at a certain polling place and then they couldn't, I mean, that's that's when they should, they should uh, uh, make a further call, right? Right, and it's very likely that the inspectors will do that for them. Uh, if they have the, the opportunity and the time and are not overwhelmed with people uh, at that particular moment, because the inspectors, these poll workers, are going to want to make sure as much as anybody else that those votes get counted. So um, they will probably work something out right there at the polling site, but if there is a question or a concern for any reason, our main Board of Elections office is going to be open, like I said, from 6 a.m. to 9 p.m., and actually probably a little bit beyond that as results come in, and voters can definitely call them uh, at 845-807-0400. And I guess finally, let's talk a little bit about that end of, of election night. Like polls close, uh, results start coming in. How and when do people start seeing results? How are things being counted in Sullivan County? Well, we pride ourselves in Sullivan County, especially our Information Technology Services Division, which handles all our computer networks, uh, on having some of the earliest results in the region. We try to get them up as quickly as they come in, um, and we should start seeing results appear on the county website at sullivanny.us slash departments slash elections. 
Um, uh, we'll see those results uh, shortly after polls close, and I would say by 10 p.m., you're pretty much guaranteed to, uh, to be seeing a, a good number of results roll in. When we'll actually hit 100% uh, results, I don't know. That depends upon a number of issues with machines and ballots, but I would guess that by Wednesday, we should have a pretty solid understanding of how the majority of Sullivan County voters decided to cast their ballots. Dan, uh, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Is there anything else you want to go over before we go? I just want to encourage people, if they haven't voted yet already, if they haven't done an early voting or an absentee or affidavit ballot, please get to your local polling spot tomorrow and vote. It is very important. And the more people we have voting, the more we actually have this kind of representational democracy that we want to have. Thanks so much, and, and best of luck for you tomorrow and everybody at the county. Thank you. Next, as election coverage continues here on the local edition, let's uh, revisit a piece on that Environmental Bond Act that voters will be voting on in New York State tomorrow. Again, if they have not voted already, as we heard just now, there's been a lot of early voting going on. But when uh, New Yorkers go to cast their ballot tomorrow, they need to remember to flip it over because on the back, they'll see Proposition 1, which asks New Yorkers whether the state should borrow $4.2 billion for environmental projects. If approved, the money would be spent in the coming decades on reducing flood risks, mitigating the effects of climate change, and preserving the land around the state. North Country Public Radio's Emily Russell reports. New York State is definitely not immune to climate change. Extreme weather events like hurricanes Sandy and Irene have pummeled the state in the last few decades. Temperatures are rising. But Peter Bauer says New York has the chance to become a leader and even a haven in the face of climate change. People are going to look at upstate New York with all of these trees, with all of this water, with this pastoral landscape, with the Adirondack and Catskill Park and the Hudson Valley, and they're going to be like, my God, upstate New York is a paradise on earth. Bauer is the executive director of Protect the Adirondacks, a green group in the park. Like others, including the Nature Conservancy and Environmental Advocates of New York, Bauer's group is urging New Yorkers to vote yes on Proposition 1 to approve the $4.2 billion Environmental Bond Act. If it passes, the money will be doled out to communities across the state, a billion and a half to build green infrastructure and things like cooling centers. Another billion would be used to restore waterways and reduce flood risks. There's $650 million for water infrastructure projects and another $650 million for land preservation, which Peter Bauer says is critical. Every year, the developed parts of New York State gets bigger and bigger. The amount of land that's under asphalt grows year after year. So, you know, protecting land is really doing a favor for future generations. But not everyone feels that way. Brian Wells is the supervisor of Hamilton County. He's also the town supervisor of Indian Lake. He says Adirondack towns like his struggle to grow and prosper because of how much surrounding land the state already owns. Think about Indian Lake as a pie chart, Wells says. Every time the state buys something, it increases the forest reserve or somebody donates it or it's endowed or it's purchased by a land trust. It just makes that pie that much smaller and that much harder for us. Wells says the state should focus on managing the land it already owns, like building and maintaining trails and hiring more forest rangers. While he is grateful for the millions in state funding his and other Adirondack towns get for things like new wastewater treatment plants, Wells thinks adding $4.2 billion to the state's debt doesn't make financial sense. 
Do you plan to vote for the Environmental Bond Act? To be honest, no. I'll be voting no. Another person who has expressed concern about the Bond Act is Dan Steck. He's a Republican state senator who represents a big portion of the Adirondacks. Here he is in a recent debate with his Democratic challenger, Gene Lapper. I have my doubts whether or not it's going to make a difference um, or if it's just going to check some boxes for people to feel good about saying they support the environment. I don't think it's going to be efficiently used, and I'm I'm afraid it's going to get um, wasted or squandered. But advocates say there will be plenty of oversight, especially if the money is used to match federal funding for projects. Plus, they say it's better to build up resilient infrastructure now than after a major storm. It's a lot more expensive to go backwards and fix a problem than it is to create the resilience up front. That's Kelly Tucker. She's the executive director of the Osable River Association, which repairs erosion and restores rivers, lakes and streams in the Adirondacks. Tucker says there's a lot in the Bond Act she likes, including the fact that 35% of the money must benefit disadvantaged communities around the state. That means funding projects in poorer communities, places facing particular threats like pollution and storm surges. Tucker is hopeful that New Yorkers will vote to invest in green energy, more public lands, and more resilient communities. But she says the details of how that money is delivered really matter. The question is... How is it going to be implemented? If it's passed, how is that money going to come to small communities, to marginalized communities? Is that money going to be easy to use or is it going to be hard to use? Tucker says those are critical pieces of the puzzle. But first, New Yorkers need to decide whether or not they support the $4.2 billion Environmental Bond Act. So remember, when you go to vote, don't forget to flip over your ballot. Emily Russell, North Country Public Radio. And thanks to North Country Public Radio for that report. Remember, wherever you are voting tomorrow to turn your ballot over and look for any other propositions. In some localities, there are additional ones based on town or municipality. Here in Sullivan County, uh, the only uh, township that seems to have that is the town of Tustin. Two measures. One is on prohibiting on-site cannabis consumption facilities. The other one is on prohibiting cannabis dispensaries. In Ulster County, there are many more of these uh, propositions on the ballot, including one for the utilization of funds designated for payroll expenses within the county budget. Then a number uh, at the town level, a number of them have to do with libraries. In Marlboro, there's superintendent of highways term of office proposal. In New Paltz, increase to the operating budget of the Elting Memorial Library. In the village of New Paltz, increase to the village of New Paltz Volunteer Firefighter Service Award Program referendum. In the town of Olive, funding proposition for the Olive Free Library Association. In Shandaken, funding proposition for the Morton Memorial and Phoenicia Libraries. Town of Ulster, proposition to create the Office of Town Comptroller. And the town of Woodstock, a bond resolution authorizing construction, reconstruction, renovation, and improvements to the town offices, and that's just in Ulster County. We already mentioned the ones in Sullivan County. So as you can see, there's a number of proposals maybe on any given ballot. You should take a look for yourself if you have not voted yet. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, Election coverage continues when we return with our final candidate interview. You're listening to The Local Edition, winner of two Excellence in Broadcasting Awards from the New York State Broadcasters Association. Radio Catskill. Listen local. The on-air portion of Radio Catskill's fund drive has ended, but we haven't met our fundraising goal. We still need your help. 
If you haven't given yet, it's easy. Just go to WJFFradio.org and make a tax-deductible donation of any amount to get us closer to our goal. Already given? Thank you. Please tell your friends we need their help to keep Radio Catskill thriving. Donate now at WJFFradio.org. Welcome back to the local edition. Continuing with election coverage, we now have the final interview with the final candidate before Election Day. And uh, on the phone with us now, it's candidate for Ulster County Executive, former state senator for the 42nd District. It's Jen Metzger. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me on. It's so great to be back on WJFF. So you're you're running for Ulster County Executive. Just to refresh everybody's memory, that seat was once held by Pat Ryan, who in a special election in August got uh, elected to represent New York 18th Congressional District to the end of the year. Meanwhile, you're currently on the Cannabis Control Board. Uh, why did you choose to run for the, the Ulster County Executive position? Well, I mean, it, uh, like the the short answer is that, you know, Ulster County is my home. I've raised my children here. You know, I've, I've dedicated my life to public service here. And I'm, you know, excited by the opportunity to bring my background and experience and leadership skills to this important position. Um, and it's, you know, this is, this is a challenging time. Uh, we face right now, you know, kind of multiple challenges, um, a climate crisis, a housing affordability crisis, you know, mental health and addiction crises, and really a lack of economic opportunity for too many people. Um, and I've been working on these issues, you know, for a long time <laughs> at local, regional, and state levels. And um, feel really feel like I can make make a real difference here in Ulster County, and and I do feel we have all of the building blocks here to create a really sustainable, resilient, thriving economy that leaves no one no one behind. But you really need someone with the right leadership and vision to do that. So I'm 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 very excited to to step into this role if the voters uh, elect me next Tuesday. Um, and, you know, you mentioned some of the issues. Let's get into those issues. You mentioned uh, housing. I think what really underscored where we're at uh, with housing in the region was a July 29th headline from the Times Union. Uh, Kingston declares housing emergency ushering in rent control. That was the headline and the uh, Times Union reporting it. Kingston essentially became the first upstate community to pass rent control. So what is the state of affordable housing in Ulster County? What would you do about it as county executive? And does it have broader implications for the rest of the state? Um, yeah. So first of all, um, the Kingston, the action that Kingston took um, was um, basically, you know, um, participating in the Emergency Tenant Protection Act, which um, I helped pass when I was in the state Senate uh, as a, it was part of a larger package of legislation um, meant to, you know, address, you know, widespread housing instability at the time um, and uh, the lack of protections for tenants um, in, you know, in uh, la- lack of the kinds of protection that the tenants need. Another 
a piece of legislation that I actually contributed to that package uh, was the first um, the first protections that we've ever really put in place for residents of mobile and manufactured home parks, um, which is really very much affordable housing in rural areas. Um, and the the real challenge is that the the residents there are are often stuck. They're ho- they own their homes or they may rent their their homes, but they're renting the space um, in the park and and are you know much more vulnerable because it's not easy to pick up and leave. Um, but I've been you know working on those issues for a while, and you know Kingston. I think I think the whole you know the housing crisis goes far beyond Ulster County. We have um, you know we've had long had a tremendous uh, shortage here of rental housing. Um, that was pre pre pandemic, uh, and now you know there are literally zero vacancy rates in many communities, and you know there are a number of different kind of causes of that or contributing factors. Um, certainly, um, you know the huge um, wave of second home buyers and you know folks moving to Ulster County uh, during the pandemic. And of course, that has really, um, you know, huge and positive benefits for our economy. Um, but it also drove up, uh, home prices. And another issue is the short-term rental, um, market, which has, again, this is another one of those kind of double-edged swords, <laughs> um, Airbnbs. Um, it's given, um, you know, Airbnbs have made it possible for many residents here to um, afford to afford to keep their homes by renting a room or an apartment over a garage. Um, and it's also, you know, served to bring more visitors to our area. But the excesses of that market have been, um, have really taken a toll on the availability of, of places for people, not just to rent, but to buy. I mean, there's, you know, just up the street from me, um, some, you know, out-of-town investors bought bought a, a modest home and, um, you know, I've never met them. It's, it's, you know, completely, it's rented through Airbnb. And, um, you know, that, that was a house that was really perfect for a first-time home buyer. So, you know, there's, I think there are real issues. We have to work with our, um, with, with, municipalities in addressing the short-term rental issue, but we also have to do a lot more to expand the supply of housing that people can afford, that workers can afford, that seniors can afford, and that's going to be a major focus of my work at the county level. You said if elected, you want to implement the Ulster 40, which, as I understand it, it contains recommendations for an economic development strategy uh, centering on equity, sustainability, open space protection and localism. Uh, can you talk about these recommendations and, and how exactly would you implement it? So it's really about um, building on our existing strengths here in Ulster County. Um, you know, we have. Um, where we are very fortunate, not unlike Sullivan County, in that we have, you know, incredible natural, uh, scenic and, you know, recreational assets that, um, contribute to our tourism economy. 
Um, we, um, we also have a strong, really strong arts uh, um, and culture and film industry here that, um, again, is also, um, you know, a huge con- and growing contributor to our economy. And we have, you know, a large farm agricultural sector. Agriculture is the second largest um, economic sector here, and it's also, you know, entirely intertwined with tourism, which is our, our biggest sector. It's why people come here to pick apples, to um, visit, you know, our on-farm breweries and the like. So um, it's really about, again, like building on these strengths. In, in the agricultural sector, for instance, you know, it's very hard to be a farmer, especially a small farmer. Just, you know, economically, the costs are very high. So, you know, we have to look for ways to bring um, more revenues, more ways for our farmers to earn. Um, something that I'm very interested in working on is bringing more value-added processing to Ulster County so that we can, you know, be producing products that our farms are growing and, again, put more money in our farm in our farm pockets um, and, um, and also diversifying opportunities for them. As you, you know, as you mentioned earlier, I'm on the, you know, state cannabis control board and, you know, there are, there are opportunities. Um, we did something very unique in New York that no other state has done, which has um, led with our farmers in cultivating adult use cannabis. And this, this is definitely like a high value crop that farms can diversify into. Um, and again, you know, sort of sustain the farm for the long haul, but, you know, I can imagine a cra- I can see a craft, a kind of craft industry emerging here, just as we have in the beverage industry. So, you know, it's building on our strengths. It's also investing in our human capital. Um, I, a big focus of mine is de- is developing a, a robust workforce development and training program it, um, to be uh, located, hopefully, at. Uh, the former IBM site, Tech City site, which has been, you know, since IBM left decades ago, it's been this blighted kind of industrial commercial site um, that is now we're in a position to redevelop it, bring cutting-edge clean energy industries here. Um, That's a big focus of mine, too, is capitalizing on the economic opportunities of the transition to a clean energy economy. Um, but we have to we have to skill up our workforce. So I'm hoping to really develop the hub, the former Tech City site in the town of Ulster, as a modern hub with with manufacturing jobs, which we haven't seen in a long time, um, and that really you know um, utilizes our local workforce rather than bringing jobs in from elsewhere. If you're elected as Ulster County Executive, uh, w- will you have to give up that position on the control board? I will. Yeah. Yes, I will. That's re- that's required under under the uh, Marijuana Regulation and Taxation Act. You know, it's been a great honor um, and just really, um, you know, really gratifying work to have been able to contribute to that. And the regulations for the adult use program will be, you know, out for public comment. We will have completed them if I'm elected by the time I take office, which would be in the in the new year. Okay, and finally, it's the same question we ask every candidate uh, when uh, voters are going to the polls, however they go. Uh, why would you say they should vote for you instead of your opponent? Well, I'm the only candidate in this 
race that has broad and deep experience at both local and state and local and state um, government decision making that has the policy experience in the broad range of issues that the county deals with and that has um, has been working on actual solutions to the challenges we face for many years. Um, and my opponent has, um, you know, he's been the supervisor of one town, um, and that's just, um, you know, that's a very narrow range of experience um, for this important job leading the county in this challenging time. All right. Well, I wish you the best on Election Day, and I thank you so much for talking to us. Thanks so much for having me, Jason. And that's going to do it for the local edition here on Election Eve. Remember, if you missed any of the past interviews that we have done with candidates in the lead up to Election Day, they're all available at our website. Go to WJFFRadio.org. That's WJFFRadio.org. And look for our Election 2022 page. We will be back tomorrow with a special extended edition of the local edition for a local election night coverage. Will a national coverage begins with special coverage from NPR at 8 p.m. tomorrow night. Continues until 1 a.m. We'll be breaking in in the later hours as we get some results tomorrow night. Hopefully we'll have some local results to bring to you in amongst the national coverage. So stick with us for election day and election night and the election afterwards. Whatever happens next, we will be here for you. This is Radio Catskill. I'm Jason Dolbin, your host. Thanks for listening. Support for Radio Catskill comes from Canoza Hall, featuring 22 guest rooms, a fine dining restaurant with full bar by Foster Supply Hospitality's award-winning culinary team, outdoor lakeview seating, and a full-service spa. CanozaHall.com from the River Reporter newspaper in Narrowsburg, New York, riverreporter.com, and from listener donations at wjffradio.org.